This is the Millennial Movement Podcast, delivering you the most exclusive insights from the top entrepreneurs and influencers from around the world. Hosted by business owner and influencer, Ricky Wynn. Now on to the show. Yo, what's up, guys? You're now tuning into the Millennial Movement. I am your host, Ricky Wynn, and this is a dopest business podcast. Guys, today we have a special guest on the show, Debbie Archangelis. Debbie, how are you doing today? I'm great, Ricky. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you so much. You know, just thank you for taking the time to be here on the show today. Um, you know, what we do a little bit different from my show is, you know, I let I like to let my guests open up to themselves, you know, give a little bit of background about who they are. And then, you know, we're going to jump right into the question. So can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are? So my name is Debbie and I have a podcast called The Offbeat Life. Mm-hmm. And I usually talk to digital nomads, location independent entrepreneurs and lazy entrepreneurs. So <laughs> that's pretty much me. <laughs> I, could, I could be considered as a lazy entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been how long have you been doing a uh, podcasting for? So I've been doing it for around a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what kind of made you want to start doing podcasts? Like what kind of made you want to get into that field first of all? So I was in I was doing a lot of traveling. I was a photojournalist for a really long time for about a few years. Mm-hmm. And I was um, photographing all over the world, and it was photojournalistic style. And I kind of was burnt out after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had all of these amazing photographs and experiences from those types of traveling. And then Instagram was kind of like really big. Obviously, it's huge, even yeah. more bigger now. Um, so I got burnt out from photojournalism. I kind of wanted to do something more fun. So I transitioned into Instagram and I started growing a following there and people kept asking me for a blog. So at that time I wasn't really interested in writing about where to go and what to see. Mm -hmm. And with my background in photojournalism, I was more interested in the people that I was interviewing, the people I was meeting all over the world, was able to work from anywhere and actually create income from it. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't really into podcasting at the time. I wasn't very familiar. And my friend at the time was into it. And then he kind of introduced me to it. And then I started listening to a few and I was like, wow, this is what I really want to get into. Mm. So instead of um, a traditional travel blog, I wanted to get more into podcasting and talking to location independent entrepreneurs instead. Okay. So it's just kind of about like outsourcing, but once you kind of saw like your friend put you on, I would say like put you onto podcasting, like the podcast game and introduce it to you, you just kind of fell in love with it from there. Yeah, I mean, it was more of the storytelling that I Mm. fell in love with. And I, you know, when you travel, when I, excuse me, when I go for runs, when I do my errands, or even when you drive, it's easier to take that type of media in rather than reading. Mm. Um, And I do a lot of audio books instead, instead of um, reading. I really? know I'm bad with that. Oh, but so it made more sense <laughs> for me to do podcasting more than a regular blog. I mean, I do have a website right now and we mm-hmm. do do that. But essentially, initially, the podcasting what was really drew me into it. So. Okay. Yeah. You know, one thing about, you know, myself, like with our, with my podcast, like, you know, just over like throughout the year, you know, being able to podcast and like being able to like just hear stories like, you know, we're being able to speak and interview, like, you know, like you said, people like millionaires, billionaires, but also hear the stories of what they've been able to accomplish and just kind of 
overcome and achieve their life, I think that's really the ground point, like the breaking point, like real, what I really want to get to is like, how were, how are they able to get from where they are to be where they are today? You know, like I just, that's why I love one, one of the biggest things I love about podcasting is like, I'm able to speak with them, just kind of hear them out. Like, you know, them being 100% honest. So that's, that's, uh, that's the benefit of podcasting for me. So you kind of go back, you know, you were, uh, you were born in the Philippines at first, right? Yeah, so I was born in the Philippines, and then I grew up in New York City. You grew up in New York City. So when you came over here at the time, were you, uh, like, I would say, were you an immigrant? Yeah. You mm-hmm. were? So okay. I was an immigrant. I came here when I was around eight, eight years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot of English, and I actually learned English through uh, television, talk shows, and it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Really? So what was your favorite TV show and talk show uh, growing up? <laughs> I was talking. Oh my goodness! I learned a lot from Ricky Lake, and, <laughs> and I was also watching a lot of PBS at that time, uh, yeah. like the cartoon Arthur. So it was mm-hmm. it was funny. Yeah. Before then, for for the young kids, no, I don't know. If we go, if you go back, PBS is like a isn't that like the old Cartoon Network station or something? No, that's like a public access television. Really? It's still on now, and they have a lot of Did like that's like where their Sesame own, like, Street PBS is. Channel or something? Yeah, yeah, that's why I remember. Like, I know they had like their own PBS channel. I don't know if it's if it's still a show, but it's like a Space Dog or something. In the, in, I'm like, a not TV sure. Show. I don't yeah. remember it. Yeah, I know it was on PBS though. That was one of my favorite thing uh, growing up. Watch. So when you kind of moved over here, what was the experience like for you at first? Like new city, new language, new people, new everything. What was that like for you? The main thing that I've always remembered was tasting my first American pizza. Um, So in the Philippines, it was a lot of rice and fish, especially in the little town that my family and I were in. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really eat that or ever at all. I mean, bread, you know, it was different. We had a lot of rice and Mm -hmm. vegetables. And then when I had my first pizza where it was all fat and grease and cheese, it tasted so disgusting. It was one of the nastiest things I tasted. But now, obviously, I'm a New Yorker. I've lived here for most of my life. Mm -hmm. And it's delicious. But I still (laughs) remember the time when I tasted my first pizza. And it was like the most disgusting Disgusting thing thing I've ever ever tasted. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's that's hilarious. So... Kind of, kind of be, you know, more, more specific to the audience, you know, how much, so do you, I would say my question would be this, do you still eat a, a lot of rice on a daily basis? <laughs> well, not, not as much anymore. Yeah. When I go home to see my parents, they then, do have rice still. Yeah. <laughs> so I do eat rice when I'm with my parents. But that's, that's every, there. that's every Asian, for everyone out there, that's every Asian household. If you ever go to your mom or your grandparents' house. There's going to be rice. and Yeah, you need there. like a rice cooker in the house somehow. <laughs> and then if you're not eating something with rice, they, they're like, why why is something wrong? You need yeah. to have rice with that. You need to eat <laughs> rice with that. <laughs> no, most definitely. That's uh, that's amazing. That's kind of funny. Like, you know, we kind of grew up both in the same experience. You know, like my parents were, uh, were immigrants kind of growing up here at the time. And, you know, when they had me, I was born in the States. So I would be kind of technically, you know, like sons of an immigrant in a way. Um but yeah, like, you know, at first kind of even seeing with them growing up, you know, it's kind of hard for them to just kind of learn and dab with the, the, the culture. But like, you know, the society here, like, you know, coming over from my parents were from Vietnam. So, you know, from Vietnam coming over here, they didn't really know much English. They didn't speak or know the language like you. Um, so, yeah, it was for them just kind of growing up, like I was kind of early, still in the early process. When I was growing up, I still understood a little bit. 
And, you know, when they were asking me for help to kind of translate things, it was like my parents were still trying to learn as I was learning with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what was, the, uh, what was the first thing that you had a passion for, you know, when you first, like, kind of, I would say, jumped into um, entrepreneurship? And so I was always interested in anything creative. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I was in, um, I was a photographer and then even in high school I was in, I did a lot of drawings and sketches and I, you know, really, I was really anything into creative. So I have had a lot of businesses that failed, um, probably two, three, maybe four. I can't even count anymore. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was just really interested in anything creative, but I was also interested in creating it into my own thing of creating a business from mm-hmm. it. So, um, being a freelance photographer to starting my own, um, company that was like promotional products to, um, I even had a website about children, and because for a long time, I also worked with children mm. with disabilities. So I created a website for that. Um, I even had um, a very short stint in working with like baker baked goods. So there are mm. so many things <laughs> that I just tapped into. Okay. And like, you know, for, for an average person, they would, they would ask, like, you know, hey, Debbie. How'd you kind of get into all those fields, all those industries? What, what would you kind of tell me? How'd you kind of dabble into all of those fields? So the main thing, whenever I talk to somebody who's still, especially in college or even in high school, and they're still kind of not knowing where they want to be, mm-hmm. what the main thing that I am so glad that I did in my 20s was that I experimented with everything that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. So whatever it was that I was interested in, I just went for it. I either got an internship or I talked to somebody in that field. I created a business. I just dove into it full on. Mm-hmm. And I never regretted any of those times that I did that because I learned what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. So if I kept wondering about those things right now, I would still wonder if what would have happened if I had gone here or here. But right now I know that where I am is where I need to be because I know what it was like with all of those different careers or jobs because I did all of them already. Mm-hmm. So just look for something that you really love to do. It's always going to change. Just go for it. Just mm-hmm. do whatever you need to do. Ask for help. Be really inquisitive. Uh, get an internship. See if you can do anything that will lead you to that. And get more information and see if you really love it. Okay. So, you know, and then like when you, did you, when you first started out, did you face, you know, any difficulties or challenges along the way? Oh, yeah. I face difficulties every day. Really? Every day is a struggle. But <laughs> the thing for me is I, I look at all of those difficulties as learning experiences, mm. right? So every time something is hard, it just means that you don't know it yet. So you just have to figure it out. And the main thing as an entrepreneur is you always have to be, you always want to be learning, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I never feel like I know everything. I always want to learn more. So I always talk to a lot of different people. So it's just difficulties. It's life. It's mm-hmm. what we face every day. Most definitely. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm actually, P.S. real quick. I'm actually so glad that we're having this podcast and conversation right now 
I've always been intrigued in having another um, Asian entrepreneur on the show. So, yes, <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> no, um, just, just just had to do that real quick. I'm, I'm just really glad that we got we've been able to do this so far. <laughs> but, so you get paid to travel. You know, what is that like? For the people that don't know what being paid to travel means or what, you know, the job requires to do, what are you actually doing, you know, on the road being paid to travel to do for? So when um, it sounds really fantastic, it yeah. sounds amazing because you get to travel and work. Yay. <laughs> so <laughs> doesn't sound all that fun when you put it like that. No, it is. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so for me, I I love traveling. Uh-huh. I've always traveled. I've traveled so much. Yeah. And it's a privilege. We all have to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to. Obviously, yeah, I'm not saying you have to. Um, <laughs> you have to. But, it's a must. Traveling is yeah, a must. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's a way for you to experience things. And so traveling and working, it depends, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that really love it. And there's some people that don't. I am kind of mixed about it. I'm more into balancing it. So I really pick and choose the companies that I work with, especially with uh, my brand now. So I could travel all the time. I could work with different tourism boards and different hotels, all of that stuff. But, but I choose not to. But it would be to. too much for you? It's not that it's too much, but I have goals and for my brand and for my company okay. that it doesn't align with that. And I find that when I do actually travel a lot, and I did for a while, it would distract me from actually getting the work that I need to get done. So now I'm more strategic with how I'm traveling. And instead of traveling for work, I travel for myself and bring my work that I want to do with me. So what that means is that instead of having a company pay me to go somewhere, I choose to work with companies that I can work from anywhere and do that job. Because you also have to remember that when you're traveling with a company, your days will be fully booked. You're not going to really see what you think um, you're going to do. And all of your schedule is filled up with something that is just work. Mm -hmm. So it can get really exhausting you're not going to do a lot of work that you want to get done, especially if you have multiple clients. It gets a lot of, um, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. So, but don't get me wrong. It's amazing. I wouldn't trade this for the world. I love it. But I think there's this misconception that it's all play and no work when you're traveling. It's actually yeah. pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. And um, it could take a lot of toll on your personal life and the balance that you have with with your life as well okay so how does someone get paid to travel you know what are the requirements like how, how, how do you do it like that that's that's been my main focus and question how, how have you been able to do it you know? so for me it's about again it's about pitching you know i'm sure a lot of people know yeah. about that pitching to brands sometimes they reach out to you but it's also really creating a brand that companies will want to work with okay. so it's how you create your um how your brand is so when you have social media your website even your podcast everything has to align with that and you really have to pick and choose for me it's not about traveling right so if you're getting into this just to travel Mm. then you know i guess just pitch to hotels and all of that stuff and (laughs) gain your following that's it i mean that's that's how you do it um but if you want to do this for the long haul 
really creating a brand that you can be proud of um, mm-hmm. and also aligns with everyone that you're going to be working with is more of a long-term plan than just traveling to work. And then that's it. Because um, my big thing is being a lazy entrepreneur. So I do a lot of delegation, mm-hmm. which means that I have a lot of time to travel mm-hmm. without having to rely on a brand mm-hmm. to give me free stay or something, yeah. right? Because I can do it myself, but I'm making money. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. And, and, you know, my next question would be, you know, where, um, what is your favorite place to travel to so far that you've been to in the past year? So I, for the past year, I mean, I've been to a different place. So name, I guess name a few I that you in, Name a few that you've been to in the past year. So I was, so last year wasn't really a lot of traveling for really? me, probably like Mexico. I was in Puerto Rico. I was in Maine. Um, I was in Minnesota for a, a few press trips. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mexico was great. I may go back there again this year because, again, that was for a press trip and I didn't really get to see what I wanted to see. Yep. So, again, that's the downside. If you're going to be working, it's all work mm-hmm. and no play. So you're technically there, but you're not really traveling mm-hmm. for what you want to see. Um, so really last year, all of the travel that I did was for work. So. <laughs> <laughs> really? Every every trip was like a work trip? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so like Mexico was work, Puerto Rico was work, Maine was work, Minnesota was work. So oh, everything was work. So um, you didn't even get to see like nothing like going out like to, you know, those countries and states, really? You didn't like get to travel and see much? No, you do. Because if you work with brands, they do take you to places, okay. but it's with their itinerary. With it's their not necessarily, uh, you don't have a say in that. It's yeah. They tell you okay. what to see and do. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that's more kind of understandable in a way, right? Because they're, they're yeah, the one of course. They're the one that's paying for you to go. So that that's kind of making sense in the way that they would do it, right? Yeah. So that's why I'm saying it's it's um it's really because it's work, it's work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's not like you're it's leisure. Yeah, it's leisure. Um, your your schedule is completely full from the day you wake up to the time you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And then one thing that you know you caught my attention when you were saying is like uh whether it be, you know, uh, you're, you're trying to build, you know, a travel brand or, you know, entrepreneurs that you're always pitching yourself, you know, no matter what, you're always pitching about an idea, about your brand, about a podcast, about a website that you have. But as an entrepreneur, you're always pitching yourself. You know, what kind what can, you know, what kind of tip can you give to the audience and to the millennials that, you know, something that you've been through that, you know, you, that you had to learn about pitching yourself, but to, to, you know, be a better, you know, I say salesman for yourself. So selling for yourself, I mean, have a niche, really choose and pick what and who your audience is going to be and start talking to those people first, right? And see what they want, what their needs are specifically, what their questions are and try to answer them. So there's a lot of places in social media where you could do that. There's forums. And then once you get that and you kind of figure out what it is, the people that you want to be in like who you want to talk to and lead then you have more of a say of what your brand is about so really the main thing is figuring out who you are and who you're going to be in the industry before you can even pitch right Mm -hmm. because when you're pitching brands you don't want to be somebody who well i do this and then i do this and then i do this and it gets really confusing so figure that out first 
So with you, you talk to millennials about entrepreneurship. That's mm-hmm. great, right? And then you know their pain points and you know what they need. So when you start pitching for brands, that's what you do. It's like, this is who my audience is. This is what they need. And I researched your brand and they definitely need your product. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I believe we align with each other is because my audience and your brand really aligns with one another. Mm-hmm. So again, the first thing is before you even start pitching brands is to really know who you are mm-hmm. in the industry, to know who do you, who do you, who your audience are and understand if they're actually going to align with the companies you want to work for. Okay. Okay. It makes sense. And at the same time as like they, hate to kind of say but at the same time it's like we you have to have some sort of like i'll say social media presence would you would you say that like you know kind of have like a i mean you do you do need the presence obviously Uh you should have like instagram and facebook and all of that stuff but to tell you honestly some or most of the most successful entrepreneurs i know Mm -hmm. um that make a lot of money don't have as much um audience right so they can have on their ten thousand followers but because their followers are so dedicated Mm -hmm. their content is incredible um and they bring so much value to the brands and to their audience that they make more money than somebody that has fifty thousand or over a hundred thousand followers so it's also about being business-minded and knowing Mm -hmm. how to really work with brands and niching yourself that your audience will want to buy from you will want to look to you to buy the products or listen to you talk about whatever it is you want to talk about Mm -hmm. okay awesome awesome you know one more one more quick travel questions you know for those that are traveling or getting or getting planned or ready to travel this year what are you know some travel necessity and needs that they need to have in their carry-on bag with them whenever we travel on the road because for myself, I'm not going to lie. Like, for my audience, they know me. They follow my Snapchat and Instagram all the time. Anytime I go on a trip, I always forget at least one or two things. Or I always get, like, stuck at the airport. Like, I've been stuck at the airport, like, twice already because I missed my flight. So, you know, it's about get. sometimes it could be getting on time. You know, make sure you bring your, your hairbrush or whatever. So, what kind, What are a few, you know, just traveling to Sissy that you need to bring on the road, but just make sure that people need to have with them all the time? So for me, I don't really have any necessities to tell you the truth because I feel like you can buy anything Uh anywhere. Um, I have clothes (laughs) (laughs) and then that's all. I mean, for me, this is not going to be for everybody. For Uh me, the only thing as long as I have them is my equipment to work, like my podcasting equipment, my camera, my computer. As Mm -hmm. long as I have that and I have like a universal outlet so I can charge from anywhere, I'm good. Yeah. But... Honestly, the main thing is don't forget your schedule. <laughs> like you said, don't be no, late. Definitely. Don't forget your passport <laughs> and all of that stuff. But my my big thing is that anything that there's really nothing that you need unless it's like for work or like your equipment, right? Mm-hmm. You can always buy a brush somewhere. You can always buy more clothes somewhere. So um, that's why for me, it's like even when I lose stuff, it's like, you could, everything is replaceable. So that the the main thing that you should always bring with you is alertness and just being um, open to different yeah. cultures and people. That's okay. really what you need. The only thing that you need. Yeah, Otherwise, well, you ticket, could, all of that stuff is just stuff. Yeah, well, <laughs> well plane tickets replaceable, but it costs $700, Debbie. 
Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. As long as you're, as long as you remember, like the, you know, the necessity stuff, like the other, the rest is just <laughs> get, like getting there on time and stuff, right? Is that what yeah, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, she just didn't want to say it. She didn't. She didn't want to be rude to me. She was just trying to be nice at first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, kind of talk about you know you have a podcast called the uh, Offbeat Life, right? Yeah. So, kind of talk about your podcast. You know, like what has that experience been like? But you know, so far going into that. So. My podcast has been one of the most amazing things that I've actually done with my life, not because of, you know, the money that I made from it, but it's really about the people that I've met. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten so many friendships out of it. And who has helped me with who have helped me with my businesses, um, with my business right now, and who has helped me succeed and really learn. Right. Because I'm always I'm very inquisitive. I always want to learn. And the biggest thing with my podcast is that I just speak to so many inspiring people that I'm always inspired every day. So I talk to a lot of digital nomads. I talk to a lot of location independent entrepreneurs who have a really different mindset about life. And that's what I'm really drawn to, to people who think outside of the box, Mm -hmm. but are open to everyone's opinions. Okay. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's great. I love it. <laughs> what, what, are, what are digital nomads for those who don't know? So digital nomads are people who can live and work from anywhere. So as long as they have their laptops, um, they could just be anywhere. They could be here in New York. They can be in Thailand. They could be in Mexico. They can be anywhere as long as there's Wi-Fi. Okay. Okay. That's see now, now I kind of understand the term a little bit better. I think, you know, a lot of people, but also at the same time, you know, for, you know, people, I would say young entrepreneurs that's getting into the game, they think, you know, entrepreneurship is the new wave. You know, they think entrepreneurship is cool. Uh, being able to work for yourself, work from home, you know, just from you, you know, we were talking about earlier, you know, there's def- definitely been a lot of, you know, ups and downs and difficulties that you had to face early on. You know, what kind of, what can young entrepreneurs, you know, just get from that? You know, like, it's not an easy road, you know, even for a digital nomad or just for any entrepreneur that there is no one-way road to a success but there's ups and downs and every day is a different day right yeah i mean entrepreneurship right now is the new hot thing yeah right everybody wants to do it but to be completely honest not everyone should do it Mm -hmm. you should try it and see if it's for you but don't feel bad if you realize that Mm -hmm. it's not so if you want to be an entrepreneur because you want to travel and work from anywhere, you can still do that without being an entrepreneur. You could be a digital nomad. You can just work remotely for a company. Yeah. So you don't need to be an entrepreneur. So first off, I want to make that clear. Um, there's a lot of things that you have to do as an entrepreneur that most people or a lot of people don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Not because they can't do it. They don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just a lot of difficulties that you go through if you're really interested in your niche, in your product, whatever it is, you're going to get through it. So, I mean, that's that's just that's just the game. There's really no secret to it. It's mm-hmm. just learning every single day. There's going to be ups and downs. One day you're going to be on top of the world. The next day you're going to be depressed, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's really an up and down and you you really have to be very resilient okay. when it comes to entrepreneurship. What is like one takeaway that you know you could kind of see and tell that you know all your guests kind of share in common? Can can you kind of sense anything like with all with like all the guests and people that you've spoken to on the past for your podcast? 
Is there like anything yeah. that like they, they kind of share in common, like in a sense of telling like, you know, similarity or any way? Yeah, a lot of them or all of them really have that determination factor and they have an idea and they really believed mm-hmm. in themselves. And they all went through failures, all of us do, and they just went forward even though they had a lot of doubts because you're going to get that almost every day. Okay. Even when you're at the top, I think you get more um, doubts within yourself because now there's more at stake, mm-hmm. right? So it's just being really resilient, really knowing that even when there's failure in front of you, you are willing to forge ahead, right? You mm-hmm. just have to do it every single day. And that's really what everyone I've talked to has done and then pivoting when you need to do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's really it. There's no secret to this guys. It's just doing <laughs> it's it. It's about putting the work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah. And how long, how, uh, how many episodes a week do you put out uh, an episode for your podcast? So I have one regular episode and one, episode. one extended interview, which is a shorter version, um, okay. during that week as well. So what, wait, what key, uh, say that again, an extended interview. So it's like the same interview, but just like a shorter clip or what is it? Yeah, so my podcast, I interview people, you know, their story, their background, all of that stuff. So that's the essential interview. And then for the extended interview, we go more into the type of topics and niche that they're really into. Mm. And they give a lot of tips and tricks to do that. So that's kind of what we do for the extended interview. Okay, awesome. So one last thing, you know, could you share any tips for, you know, any entrepreneur or people that's getting into the podcasting game at the moment, like how to start a podcast or launch their podcast? Yeah, I mean, podcasting is pretty fairly easy if you want to start. You just need an equipment. You, If you want to just talk, um, you know, if you want to do it solo, that's even, you know, you don't really need to get guests. Mm-hmm. If you do want to get guests, um, reach out to people. Don't be afraid to do that. Like, Ricky, you reached out to me. Yeah. Most of the time people will say yes, and they're very open to doing this. So don't be afraid, right? That's mm-hmm. the only thing I think a lot of us stop ourselves from doing anything because of that initial fear that mm-hmm. you have. So if you just take that first step, buying your microphone or whatever equipment it is, and you don't need to make it super expensive. So for me, even my mic right now that I'm doing is super cheap. Um, I don't even do like super expensive stuff because mm-hmm. I travel a lot and that's when I do my interview. So um, I actually have um, a page on my website. If you guys want to go to theoffbeatlife.com, I have a lot of the equipment and all of that stuff there. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, like you were saying, like failure, you know, people, that's, I think that's one reason why people don't kind of push towards a, de- a determination goals that they want to achieve is like, they're scared that they're going to fail in some way, shape or form. Right. You know, like e- even guys, if you, like just, just for your insight tip, you know, like if I would never have reached out to Debbie on Instagram, I would have never been sitting here talking to her, you know, at first. Right. Like, w- did you have any fears when you first started? Like just at all? I honestly, I don't really, that's not the fears that I have, like reaching out to people. Uh It's more because I'm very confident in speaking to people, talking and doing a lot of the creative creative stuff. It's more the business end that I didn't really understand and know. Mm -hmm. And that's really what my most fears were. 
And changing that mindset, talking to other entrepreneurs who kind of guided, well, not kind of, they did guide me Mm -hmm. through all of that was really what helped me. So again, if you reach out to people, you just talk to them, ask for advice, they're more than willing to do that. And that's Mm -hmm. really what you need, especially if you're going to do this in the beginning. And obviously listening to podcasts like this and reading articles, things like that, but Really, what's going to get you there is doing it yourself, right? Yeah, most definitely. I love that. And, you know, I, 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 love, I also like what you say. You know, I kind of take it back into, the, uh, I take it back into terms of, uh, I say one of my greatest mentors, Kobe Bryant, what he says is you always have to be like a kid in the candy store, which means like anything you do, like whether it be podcasting or entrepreneurship or starting a new business, is like you always have to be consistently learning. Always ask questions. Why? Why do I have to do this? Why do I do that? Why do I do this part? So, you know, always about learning, you know, new ways, new creativities, new creative ideas, but just um, different ways to kind of know more about, I would say, the, the industry and the brand, of course, too. So, you know, that's that's really what you, uh, that kind of hit me, you know, hit the point on is like, you know, whatever you do, just kind of like, even when you get into podcasts, it's like one thing for, I guess, for a lot of people, like I always get the questions that, you know, how do you get, how do you get all these guests on your show? Like, where do you find them? But, you know, they have they all have a, such a big following spree. So how, how do you uh, have all these guests come to the show? I said, you know, I, I people that I'm, I'm in contact with, I just talk to them. But then at the same time, whenever I do um, run across these people, you know, I'm not scared to reach out to them. And I'm not scared to send them to DM because I know that they're just a regular person. But just on the, you know, on the iPhone, that's going to be answering just like I would. So, like, there's no reason to be fair, uh, to be scared of failure, but not just to be scared of reaching out to somebody just for them to say no. Because, you know, many times people have told me no, not to be on the podcast. I just say, Mazda talk. <laughs> like, you know, there's billions of people out there just being able to speak with you is, is amazing. You know, so that's, that's where I'm trying to get to the point. Like, whenever, you, whatever you do, don't let the failure get, you know, stop you from there, but just kind of let it progress and move you forward as well, you know. So, you know, what can we kind of expect to see from Debbie in 2019? Yeah, so there's a lot of growth in the podcast. We're about to reach our 100th episode in a few months. So we're I'm doing a lot of different um, things to that and really growing the business as well. Um, so yeah, a lot of new things I can't say yet. So, okay. um, But it's definitely going to unfold in the next few months. Few um, months. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> can you tell, can you tell them where, where you're going to be traveling to next? You can, can you tell that either or no? <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually leaving next week. I'm going to be going to Vegas and then to Florida. And then um, I'm going to do a... So now, remember when I talked to you before about traveling for work and yeah. then traveling for while you're working or traveling for yourself. Yeah. Um, so now this year, the biggest thing you talked about, like um, changes and what we can expect. So now I'm really embracing being a lazy entrepreneur. Um, (laughs) My business is being run even when I'm not technically working, Uh um, which means that I could spend more time with the people I love, which means that I can travel more. Um, So I'm going to be away for a month starting next week. I'm going to be working, but then, you know, I don't have any fears that my business is not going to run because I'm not you know, fully in one place uh-huh. because I have people who work on it with me. Yeah. Um, and then in a few months after that, I'm going to be doing a, a month road trip with a friend and we're going to be hiking 
a lot of national parks in Canada and the United States. Wow. Um, and then I may be in Europe for another month or so. So, yeah, um, I, I tell people all the time, you just have to figure out what you want your life to look like and mm. just start working on that. And um, I'm a very big advocate of lazy entrepreneurship. Take, <laughs> take me with you. <laughs> I know. You'll get take, there. <laughs> take, uh, Vegas. I love Vegas and Florida so much. Yeah, I, I kind of, I like I love how you embrace the just just real quick. I love the 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 phrase you embrace as a lazy entrepreneur. Like yeah, just just why why do you call yourself a lazy entrepreneur? Because I I want to know because I like there has to be a term for kind of like labeling each entrepreneur. Like you know you ever seen those? Vi- I don't know if you watch like the Instagram videos, but like when I'm taking some downtime, you know like there's always that different person in the club or a different person in the classroom stuff like that. So what kind like why would you say you're a lazy entrepreneur? Yeah, it's it's kind of a pretty interesting <laughs> words to put together, right? Yeah. Because when you think as of an entrepreneur, entrepreneur as, a, you, as a hard worker, and then you have yes. to turn lazy. Yeah. Yeah. So an entrepreneur, what you think and what everyone shows you, especially online and the media, is that um, they're always busy. They're mm-hmm. always hustling. They're all that's true. It's yeah. very true. But I call myself the lazy entrepreneur is I'm creating a life for myself that, yes, I hustle a lot. I do a lot of work, but I'm building a business that later on I can let go of and it's still going to be running for me. And I can feel lazy and not do anything and it's still going to be running. But I always find that the entrepreneurs that I really admire are the people that actually are... <clears throat> are very smart about it in that they don't need to be working all the time. It's still mm-hmm. running for them. So being a lazy entrepreneur means that you're outsourcing, you're delegating okay. work, and you can be lazy and still be an entrepreneur. <laughs> be an so entrepreneur. lazy lazy just means that you're living your life, okay. right? Yeah. You are able to enjoy it, mm-hmm. but you still own a company and you still have a business, and yeah. it still runs while you're being lazy. <laughs> lazy. <laughs> All right, that definitely makes sense. Well, you know, Dave, we're kind of coming to the end of the show, but before we leave, we do a takeaway with our guests. Uh, you know, what would your advice be through the ups and downs and struggles, you know, that you had to go through just to be where you are today? Yeah, I mean struggles and failures, all of that stuff. Just think about that as something that you have to go through, whether mm-hmm. it's your personal life or it's your business life. If you are not failing and struggling, you are not growing and you're not learning. So the more you struggle and the more you fail is gets you closer to where you need to be. So embrace that. If you're not failing at all, then something is wrong, right? Mm -hmm. It can also get really boring because then you're not challenged. Mm -hmm. So think about it in that sense. And it's at the time when you're feeling that and you're going through it, obviously it's not going to feel very good. But think about every time you've failed and you've gone out of that and, you know, there was that hurdle and you've gone up from it. Doesn't it feel really good? Mm-hmm. Like when you solve a problem mm-hmm. or you've survived something and just, you know, plowed through it and yeah. what you've learned from it. So I think we just think about the failure as failure. We don't always think about what we learn from it. So, yeah. Just this think about take, it as a learning t- experience. Yeah. You're not failing, you're learning. So just take every failure, every uh, every situation as a learning experience, right? Yes, okay, absolutely. Awesome, awesome. 
But thank you, David, for taking the time just to be here on the show. But, you know, sharing your knowledge with me and the millennials. So first and foremost, I'm so grateful. Thank you, you know, just to be on the show. Would you like to tell them where they could find you on social media and the podcast yeah. as well? Yeah, everything you can find on theoffbeatlife.com. And you can find me there. I have articles. The podcast is there, too. And all of my social media is there. So, again, it's theoffbeatlife.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time to be here, Debbie. Thank you guys for tuning into the Millennial Movement. Until next time, we're out. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why.